what's our only chance of overcoming the devil, sin, this world, our own failures, our past? Our only hope is Jesus, is it not? And what is that hope? John said that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Did he not? Amen. The writer of Hebrews says that he came to free those who all their lifetime remained subject to the bondage of the devil. Did he not? Amen. So what is the nature of that power that Jesus would give us? What is the nature of that power that Brother Danny was speaking of? Who said that? Hi. She said love. Do you agree with that? Why do we say love is the nature of that power? Hmm? Amen. Because the greatest act of God that the world had ever known, that the world will ever know, that the world can ever know, is when God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus is God's act of love. Everything Jesus did, everything Jesus was, was an expression of God's love. God did not so hate the world that he sought to destroy it, but Christ intervened. No, God so loved the world that he robed himself in the weakness, the frailty, the fragility of human flesh. And he became obedient to what? To the demands of love. Wherever love called, he went. Whatever love said we needed, he gave. Even when it said that we needed a cross, he did that also. He made himself of no reputation took on the form of a slave, a bond slave, and became obedient even unto the death of the cross. Amen? We have the greatest power over Satan when we are the most like Jesus. And we are the most like Jesus when we Surrender 
take into our hearts and express the love that defined Jesus. We are the most like Jesus when we have empathy for other people, when we have compassion for other people, when we identify with other people. Because that was the nature of the incarnation. Was it not? This God of infinite power coming down and confining himself to our weaknesses so that in all things he could sympathize with us, be made like us in every way. Amen. Upon him the Lord God laid the affliction of us all. Amen. So we're the most like Jesus when we learn how to sympathize, empathize, have compassion, and be able to identify with other people. That's our power. That's our only power. Amen? Ephesians 4, 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. But let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice, all maliciousness. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also forgave you. God was not bludgeoning Christ to death, but God was in Christ, absorbing all that suffering through the conduit of His Son. Amen? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Do you know what it means to be tender? Have you ever hurt yourself and someone said, someone brushed up against you and you said, Phew. and they said, oh, I'm sorry. And you say, no, it's just still tender. Paul is saying that our hearts need to be that way toward the needs of others. We feel quickly. We feel keenly. We're sensitive. We have calm passion, which is to say we have feeling with others. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Be imitators of God. 
as beloved children and walk in love. We are the most like God when we're kind, when we're tender-hearted, when we're forgiving. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. There are times when to be like Jesus, we have to climb up on a cross. We have to go somewhere that we don't deserve going. Except we really do, don't we? It's really our privilege to share in his suffering, isn't it? He didn't deserve going there. But we have to go places for others where they really should go. Because we know that when we had to go somewhere, somebody else went there for us. Again, Paul in 2 Corinthians. If you forgive anyone, I forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there is anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan may not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. What is our power against Satan? The love of Christ, which forgave, which was tender-hearted and quick to forgive each other. The power of Satan is when sin can't be loosed, but the power of Christ is to loose on earth what he already loosed at the cross. Amen? To forgive. If you forgive anyone, I also forgive them. And what I forgive, if there is anything to forgive, I forgive in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan may not outwit us. Our Father, which art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into the outwitting power of Satan. You are forgiving us as we are forgiving. And it is in being forgiven and forgiving that we are not led into temptation. The temptation of pride, which is the ultimate power of Satan. Paul again to the Colossians, chapter 3. So those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion. That word put on literally means to fall into a garment. Sometimes to, to really... Take on the heart of love, it feels like letting go and just falling. Like you would fall into your couch or fall into your bed. You have to let go of all those anxieties and all those fears that you're losing control. And you have to believe that only God can be in control. You have to put it on. Put on a heart of compassion. Kindness, 
humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you. We talk about Paul's love chapter. I think we need to start talking about the love apostle because this is what he does everywhere. He brings it all down, and I'm not even reading all of them, trust me. He says, put on, fall into the heart of God, the heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you forgive. Beyond all these things, he repeats himself. Beyond all these things, everything he's been saying in this passage, everything that he's said thus far in the letter, beyond all of this, put on love. Put on love. Love, it sits there like a cloak that Jesus wore. Love, it hangs there like a towel that Jesus wrapped about his waist. And it just hangs there. Maybe it's stained with a lot of dirt, with a lot of grime collected along the way of Golgotha to Golgotha. Amen. But it's hanging there on the wall, waiting for someone to take it down and apron themselves with the garment of humility and take on themselves the mindset of a servant. Take up the towel, take up the basin, and go and begin to love the people of God. Don't you want to put on love? Don't you want to wear the garments of our great God and King? Well, then put on the garb of a servant. Amen. And get so low that your chief apostle says, No, 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 Lord, don't do that to me. I'm uncomfortable with that kind of humility. Don't you want to put on love? Don't you want to get down low enough that the mercy of our humble Christ can start flowing to the needs around you? Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. 
You see, the anxiety that the devil exploits, the power by which he holds us in bondage all our life, is the power of the fear of death. What am I going to lose? How am I going to be hurt? How am I going to be misunderstood? Perfect love casts out all fear. But complete fear casts out all love. You can't have the peace of Christ ruling in your heart and be controlled by fear. You'll never get to love. You'll never get to that place of love until you can give up those fears. Amen? Never get to that place of love until you can give up those fears. You can never have compassion on one who intimidates you. You just think about it. Every time you get mad, you know, to an animal, the smell of anger and the smell of fear is the same smell. And it's really the same with us. Every time we get past love, and I'm not saying love is mollycoddling and smooth talking, but love is awfully low and awfully humble. But every time we get past love, every time we leave love behind, we start moving in the old dynamics. You look at the core, and you're going to find fear. You're going to say, well, it was pride. Well, that's true, too. Amen. But it was fear of losing that image of pride. Fear is always what kills love. Amen. But there's only one perfect love. Amen. And it drives out all fear. It's the kind of love who looked at the people who were killing him. And they didn't intimidate him. Somehow while they're killing him on the cross, he's feeling their suffering. And he's saying, don't hold this sin against them. Even while they're killing him on the cross, he is still empathizing. He is still sympathizing. He is still driven and controlled by compassion. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. But you can never have compassion on someone who intimidates you. So let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. That's what I'm trying to bring home to us tonight. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another 
That's the love of God. Amen? Teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Haven't we had that tonight? Singing songs, singing with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks through him to God the Father. What does that mean, whatever you do in word or deed? Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That means you sign his name to everything you do. That means it's got to be so much like Jesus that you can put his name on it. Amen. And he's not going to be ashamed of it. Amen. That means when you come, you say, I don't come in my own name. I don't come with my own burden. And I don't come with my own love. I come with the only love that is perfect and that can cast out all fear. I come in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let me love you. Amen. Paul has just told them in this other passage that they should prophesy, that they should speak in tongues, that they should perform miracles, that they should move in the gifts of administration and helps. He's gone through all these things and he says, you got to move in these gifts. But then when that is done, he says, but... Amen. He gives us a big qualifier. And he tells us how terrible it is to learn the gifts and lose the love. He tells us that we will actually become an antagonistic force to God's eternal purpose in people's lives. If we can learn the gifts, but lose the love. And this is how he tells it. If I speak with the tongues of men and even angels, but I do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but I do not have love, it profits me nothing. What is he saying? He's saying that you can even get in the motion of sacrifice, just like the motion of prophecy or the motion of any gift, you can get into the rhythm of sacrifice and you can be saying and doing and all this kind of stuff. You can even give your body to be burned. But if love is not behind it, the kind of love that drove Jesus to the cross, the kind of love that he was obedient unto, even to the point of death on the cross. If you don't have that, even the sacrifices that you think have to be loved, they may not be loved, and they may profit you nothing. Love is patient, kind, not jealous. Not jealous. Not jealous, 
Love does not brag, is not arrogant, does not act rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, Remember when we talked recently about how they pulled all Jesus' strings, but the strings had no hold on him? Do you remember that? Love is not provoked. Love does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Love is not patting someone on the back and saying it's okay about unrighteousness but rejoices with the truth. Jesus spoke hard words. Jesus told people they were on their way to hell. But he said, you will know that the Father sent me. And he said, you would know that his judgment was true when you lift up the Son of Man. Amen. All that he spoke, all of it, it all came down to a big test where he proved to us all that he was willing to die to help us. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things endures all things. Love never fails. Your prophecies will fail. Your tongues will fail. Your gifts will fail. Your wisdom will fail. Your ministry will fail. But it's only because you lost the love that is the one power that will never fail. If you bring that back into the driver's seat, you'll stop failing altogether because it's impossible for this power of all powers to ever fail. It never fails. Paul was not the only one. Peter said, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic to each other. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. And John said, And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. That's the place to start. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God lives in him. In this way, love is made complete among us 
so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just thank God for his love for a second. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, God. God, God, oh God, oh God, God, oh God, oh God, God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, God, oh God, oh God, oh God, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. So what does love look like? Is God speaking to anybody? Is God challenging you to take that garment off the wall? What does love look like? Does love look like rushing in and grabbing Jesus by the sleeve and saying, Oh, no, Lord, don't tip over their tables. Don't get angry at their sin. Does love hate intensity? Does love hate rebuke? Does love hate a challenge? Love doesn't enjoy a challenge. It doesn't enjoy intensity. It doesn't enjoy a rebuke. But love, all that that is in God is an anger or a frustration or an intensity that is provoked because of the great love that God has for you and the great life, the great eternal life he has for you that he doesn't want you to waste. Amen? Even when God deals with us sharply, our good is still the reason for his anger. Does that make sense to anybody? But then there is a different kind of dealing. And it more often than not deals in sweetness. Because that's how the cunning snake does it with Eve. Amen? But however it deals, when I am the object of the effort, it is no longer love. 
Because love does not seek its own. When I am the object of the concern, when, I, when my good is the object of the effort, then it is not love. When another's good is the object of my effort, then I'm like Jesus. Thank you, 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 Jesus. Don't you want to be like Jesus? Amen. What did he say? Greater love hath no man than this. And he laid down his life for his friends. His friends become the object of his life, the reason for his living or the reason for his dying. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Greater selfishness hath no man like this than he laid down his friends for himself, for his own good. Amen. You ask yourself, whatever circumstance it may be, if you're afraid of bearing the sword and you're a coward, you ask yourself, God, what would happen if I was truly willing to get beneath this need and shoulder that rugged cross and inch it another foot toward Calvary for this person. What would happen? What would change? What miracles would be discovered immediately? And if you've accustomed yourself to being a clanging cymbal and a sounding gong, beg God to show you the difference. Beg God to make you hate that awful ring in your ears. And ask, what would change? What would change if I got low enough? What might change? Am I willing to go there? Well, then you're willing to be like Jesus if you said yes. We can change. We're going to take the garment off the wall. Amen. We're going to take on that no reputation image. And they'll see the mud of slander. And they'll see the blood of other people's faults. But maybe they'll see Jesus. Amen. The love of God is greater far. Then tongue or pen.
can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest stars and reaches to my lowest hell. The Good one.